Satan um, is really, really good, isn't he? Good at what he does. You know, I have conversations all of the time about what the series is all about. Uh, doubts, worries, concerns, anxiety, real fear. It's not something that I don't believe anybody is immune to. Satan is really good at, at taking us right where we're at and, and, and putting seeds of doubt in, in our heart and in, in our mind. Seeds of, of doubt that, that he, he then waters, right, and, and makes grow and it turns into worries in, in, in anxious moments. And as it continues, if it continues unabated, um, it impacts the decisions we make, how it is that we live our life, because we're afraid and we don't have, have answers and we wonder and we're struggling. All again, in the last few weeks, I've asked you, the last two weeks, I asked you again, what are we seeing in that moment? It causes us to be distracted, to take our eyes off of God and the promises that he, that he gives to us. And we get distracted, we lose our focus. You know what that is for you? How that's being played out or has it played out in your life in the past and maybe how it will in the future. Sometimes bringing it to, to, to full-blown fear that literally um, causes us to be frozen, paralyzed, and unable to do anything. And we've looked at a, a couple of realities about that fear of the unknown. Sometimes so concerned and so, so deeply fearful of what might be in terms of we, we, we don't have answers, we... We don't know the details, and it moves to that point of, of deep fear. We, we looked at the story of Joshua, Joshua 1. God's telling them to go inhabit the land, and they just have to trust. He calls them to be bold, courageous. I'll give you the plan. I'll, I'll reveal things at just the right time. They had a choice to make, didn't they? Are we going to believe it or not? Are we going to let faith triumph over our fears or not. And then last week, fears about someone who was feeling very vulnerable, the servant of Elisha, he comes out, he sees an army all around set to he knows why to kill him and his, and his leader. Real fear of, of danger, of hurt, of having his life being taken. And Elisha challenges him, says, don't be afraid. He has a choice to make in the moment. Am I going to believe this guy or not? Am I going to believe God? Just, just two things, and today we're going to look at another fear, and one that I think is maybe even more common than any other one, especially right now. God's truth is always relevant. I love it. Always practical. Always real to life. And today he brings truth out of 1 Kings 17. We're going to look at verses 6 to 17 in just a moment. Over the fears about needs being met. How relevant is that? 
we're in a difficult place economically in our country, in our nation. People are being stretched. Inflation at record highs. People are really struggling. Paycheck to paycheck, wondering if needs are, are going to get met, if they're going to be able to pay the bills or put food on the table, gas in the tank. Those are real fears, real concerns. And there's a huge range in terms of what that means. And everybody's being impacted economically and has some anxiety and some worries. But I had a lot of conversations about that lately. And God speaks. And he speaks through a powerful story. And I hope this morning that, again, these words are more than just ink on a page, but that for you, for all of us, they're truth. Open up your hearts as we open up God's Word and hear what He has to say to each one of us. First Kings 17, verses 6, uh, verses 7 to 16. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. And the word of the Lord came to him, go at once to Zarephath of Sidon and stay there. I've commanded a widow in that place to supply you with food. So he went up to Zarephath. He came to the town gate. A widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, would you bring me a little water in a jar so that I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called, and, and bring me, please, a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread. Only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son so that we may eat it and die. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said. But first, make a small cake of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. And then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. The jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord gives rain on the land. She went away and did as Elijah told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up, and the jug of oil did not run dry, in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. This is his word. Might it be written on your hearts and lived in your lives. Powerful story, isn't it? I like it because there's really two accounts of somebody choosing faith over fear in this story. I mean, we center on the widow, but think this for a minute of Elijah. You read that um, he was out in the wilderness somewhere. God had sent him there. He was by a small brook, and he was getting fed by ravens and then drinking from the brook. Well, there's a drought in the land. 
the water dries up, the brook dries up, there's no more water, so he has nothing to drink. Don't last very long without water. So God sends him somewhere else. He sends him to Zarephath. Now, I want you to think about this for just a minute, this first story um, in Elijah's choice. So Zarephath, it's a poor little village. Where could he have sent Elijah? Where would have been a more natural choice or place? Maybe a place that had all kinds of water by it. Maybe a, a big hustling city, bustling city where there was maybe more, more resources. No, he sends him to Zarephath. A, a poor little village. And it gets, it gets bigger than that, right? So when he gets to the village, where is he supposed to go? To the wealthiest person in town? No. To a widow. Now, we, we have some similarities, but that culture, there's no assistance. There's no social security. There's nothing. And, and a widow is the poorest of the poor. So he gets sent to a poor village. He gets sent to the poorest of the poor. God tells him, I want you to go there, and, and you're going to be fed. And on top of it all, in a drought. So there's already hardship for everybody. Everybody's struggling to find food. To the poorest of the poor, somebody who probably is the most unlikely to have food. That's where God sends him. Why? Because he wants to make it really clear, doesn't he? About who he is. And so Elisha goes. Elijah goes. And he goes. Look at, look at this. Verse 9. What does it say? Uh, uh, think about it. Debate it. No, he says, go at once. Now, obviously, he's out in the wilderness. He doesn't have a lot of friends around. Have you been in a situation like this, maybe, where God has told you to make a choice that seems kind of crazy and to trust him in it? Anybody ever been there? Yeah. You know, a couple of times when, when I've been there, friends have, have spoken into that and said, are you, are you for sure? Like, knock on your head, you know? Are you thinking clearly? Because that really sounds kind of foolish. Are you really sure that that's what God said or what he wants you to do? Some have even been so bold to say, you know, don't be an idiot. I think if Elijah had some friends right by him, they might have been saying those same things. But he, he obeys. He chooses faith over fear, and he goes. And he gets there, and he's outside the, the, the town, the village, and he sees who it is that he's supposed to encounter, the widow. And she's there gathering a couple of sticks. And he asked her, verse 8, hey, can you get me some water to drink? And, and I always encourage you to get inside the story. And, and so I, I, I just picture him being there. He sees the widow, and he, he kind of maybe gets somewhat close, and he says, hey, can you go get me a jar of water? I just need some water to drink. 
not much reaction, and, and, and she starts to go. Maybe I'm thinking about in terms of her circumstances that are un- unveiled in just a, a minute later in a, in a couple of the verses. I'm just kind of picturing how, what her demeanor is, what she's thinking about. What is she doing? She's picking up sticks. Why? To make a fire to cook the last little bit of food that she has. And so maybe when, when she's asked to go get water, she just is like, sure. Starts to walk up and says, as she was going. So she already had said, all right, give an assent. However she did it, a nod, whatever, she starts to walk away. And then he calls out, and what does he ask? Oh, and will you please bring me some bread? Can you picture? I see her walking, and he says that, and she just stops. Freezes in her tracks. And bring me a piece of bread. Simple request, right? No big deal. Depends, doesn't it? So you, you, you know her circumstances. What does she say, her response in verse 12? She, she starts out by saying this, as surely as the Lord your God lives. That's her way of saying, look, this is truthful. I'm being honest. I swear. You see these sticks in my hand? I'm going to make a fire. And when I make that fire, I'm going to use the last little bit of oil and the last little bit of flour that I have to make the last meal for my son and I. And you see where hard is that? And then die. I don't have anything else. I've exhausted all my resources. I have no more food. I don't have enough for you. I'm sorry. I don't have enough for my son and I to eat one meal. She maybe didn't go that far, but you get the point. That's what she had in her heart. Have you ever been there? And I remember when my kids were little saying this. Parents, have you ever had your children say this to you? I'm starving. Ever? Yeah. And they got a whole plate full of food sitting from, I'm starving. My kids learned right away not to say that. God say, oh, no, you're not. And, you know, I'm going to share more in a minute. You had really difficult times. I don't know if we can, regardless of what our circumstances are today, and I know that some of them are very difficult, I don't know if we could ever quite get to where she's at. But I do know, I do know that we have fears, we have concerns about needs being met and about how things are going to happen in terms of paying bills, food on the table, gas, and all of those things. In some situations, are much more dire than others. And when Elijah asked that, when Elijah says, "Um, will you please bring me a piece of bread, just that one statement, she is being asked to choose faith over fear. 
he says to her in verse 13 immediately. Do you see the first three words? Are they familiar? We're going to continue to see this. He says, don't be afraid. Something about her, her tone, her demeanor, maybe she was shaken. Just, just that one statement brought out all of the fear. Don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said. You go home and, and, and make the last meal for you and your son. But first, here it is. This is so powerful. But first, but first, do you see it? Verse 13, make a small cake or loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. And then make something for your son and yourself. You know, it's really easy, isn't it, to say that we believe and that we trust? People, if I were to ask you, um, if I were to go to to any one of you right now and, and just row after row, person after person, and say, do you trust and you believe that God is going to meet your needs? I'm thinking that almost every single one of you, I'm hoping that you will, that you'll say yes. But then I also know that, that after you leave or you go and you live life and you have that stack of bills, whatever else it means, you pull up to the gap, there it is, the fears, the worries, anxieties. Again, natural just, don't, don't, I'm not, it's not a chastisement. So she, she's being asked that question, but she's being asked to demonstrate her faith. Do you know James 2.17? Powerful verse. Faith, unless accompanied by works, is dead. In other words, we can talk all we want. But until we prove that it's true about us, that's who we really are, that, we're, that that's what we are going to be, we're going to be that person of faith, then it doesn't really matter. It's just words. And time and time again, in all of the challenges that God gives, don't be afraid. I want you to trust. I want you to believe. There is this request for some action, obedience. And she's being asked, think about it. Put yourself in her shoes. She's being asked out of the little pile of flour that she has to first make a loaf of bread for Elijah and bring it to him before she even makes one for her and her son. You know, as those words are being spoken, I'm trying to think about what's going on in her head. And I think about other encounters that I've had when I've spoken those words myself about trusting God. I want you to trust God. I want you to believe that he's going to care for you. I want you to believe that he's going to protect you. I want, I want you to believe that he loves you. And sometimes I can see the look in the face that comes right back instantly. Yeah, easy for you to say. You're not in my shoes. You're not living my life. Do you really have a right to say that to me? Anger, almost intolerable, those words, right? And it would be bad. (laughs) 
if it were not true. God had Elijah say those words because he wanted her to be free. To be free from her fears, her worries, her doubts. God wanted her to know that he could always trust him. Friends, brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, God says the same thing to you today. Again, I don't know what fears you have in your heart or in your head. The doubts, the worries. But I know him. He wants you to know that he'll always meet your needs. He'll always provide. He'll always care for you. And you have a choice, just like she, to believe or to trust. She chooses faith over fear. Verse 15, she went away and did as Elijah told her. Wow. One sentence innocuous. Think about what that meant. It's easy to read the words and not resonate with it or to not understand the depth of what's going on. And sometimes that happens when we encounter people too with their real fears, their real worries, their real doubts. But she does it. She goes and she makes the the loaf of bread and she brings it. And I think about as she's going back As she leaves Elijah and she's walking back to her home, I don't know how far it was, probably not very far, but what is she thinking about? What is she processing? What do I have to lose? I'm dead anyways. This is it. And it's amazing, isn't it, that sometimes when we're desperate, we make better choices, we take risk because we have to trust God. Oh, I wish that he wouldn't bring us to that place but that we choose to believe that he is who he says he is up front. She goes, she makes the bread, she brings it to him, and and the promise is real and true. We read that. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. Think about that and the promise. It wasn't just to replace the food that she was going to give away. It was a promise of provision, of care, each and every day. Not just for her and her son, but Elijah too. And it happens. What a powerful, powerful story. What an incredible promise that God kept to her. That's the promise that you've been given she chose faith over fear what will you choose I want to tell you a story and then read a a passage um, after that Matthew 6 25 to 33 in just a few minutes but um You know, I I have been blessed, and I will say this wholeheartedly, to have to make 
some very big choices in life regarding faith. And I remember when um, my wife and I, we had two children, and I already shared with you a couple weeks ago uh, personally about the only job I ever got fired from and um, started to figure out what that would mean and move forward, had different jobs, and um, ended up um, working as a, a youth pastor and getting more involved in church. God was growing me um, from the inside out, and then um, gave assent to lots, lots of conversations um, with God about, about going to seminary. And lots of reasons, a lot of battles, a lot of things that I thought about. I had been in the church, I had seen sometimes who the church could be, and I just didn't want any part of that. And so um, God worked on my heart, um, made a decision of faith, enrolled, went. And, and then had another big faith decision. So we, we were um, moving forward. Betty was working full-time. I was going to school, working two, three jobs at once, just trying to pay the bills, um, and, and had to trust God in that. And a lot of hard moments. Things were incredibly, incredibly tight. Um, and then came the real challenge. <laughs> so we, we had been growing in our faith and in our walk. But there was one thing that we hadn't had as a discipline in our lives yet. And, and we were people who gave, but we weren't people who tithed. And there's a big difference. And so what we would do is we would sit down, we'd look at everything, and we'd, we'd you know, write out the checks, pay all of the bills, and then whatever was there, at the end, we would give to God the leftovers. And often it was this much or very little. And so as I'm going there and we're struggling and probably at the worst time economically in our lives, God just kept bringing the challenge and finally said, look, you got to change that. Are you going to trust me? Are you going to believe that I will provide for you? I tell you that all of the time. I have. Are you going to believe it? And are you going to change what this means in terms of your giving and, and tithing? I, I remember having conversation after conversation with her, and we, we came up with all of the reasons, all kinds of reasons. Well, you don't want us to be deadbeats. You want us to be responsible. You want us to pay our bills, don't you? You want us to be good parents and put food on the table and have clothes on our kids' back, don't you? I could tell you all kinds of conversations. Finally, we just said, okay, that's it. God's being really clear. We have to take that leap of faith. And so we did. Two weeks later, no food in the house. And I mean none. I'm not trying to, to say I can top that widow. But there was nothing. We had a conversation in the morning. I was going to go off to school. And she's telling me, hey, what do you want me to do? And I'm like, I'll, I'll, bad words, I'll figure it out. Yeah. There's maybe some tears mixed in with that. It was an emotional moment. So I, I go, I get in the car, I go off to school. And all day long, all I'm thinking about is how, 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 can, I, how can I do this?
and thinking all different kinds of things. I wish I wasn't being so responsible. Who, who cares if the electric bill is paid when my kids don't have anything to eat? And of course, you know where God took me, right? How I wish. I remember thinking how I wish I didn't give my tithe. Struggle ate me up all day long. Drive back home, walk into the house, and there my wife is sitting at the table with a couple of envelopes and some mail. I don't even think you said hi to me. <laughs> I don't know. I walk in, and she just picks up one and says, look at this. I could tell this was serious biz. So I walk over, I pick it up, and it's a money order. Not a check from somebody personally, just a money order. For way more than what my tithe was. For way more than what we we're going to need for groceries that week. Yeah, I have other stories, but I want to tell you this. From that moment on, and I can say this with an honest and true heart, I have never, ever been concerned about finances again, ever. Because in that moment, God revealed to me that he is a God who will meet my every need. And it has been awesome to have that burden removed. To never have worries or fears ever again about whether or not the bills will get paid or I'll have clothes on my back, gas in my tank, food on the table, ever. Because I know my God. Nothing I could ever do But he's not concerned about what we can do because he knows what he can do and the promises that he's made to you and to me. Again, that's not to chastise you for any fears that you might have, for any worries or doubts or anxieties you have, but just to have you open up your heart and think about who it is that God promises to be to you today in this moment. Listen to these words from Matthew 6, verses 25 to 33. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, this is Jesus speaking, or about your body, about what you'll wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or stow away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Listen to this. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you can, uh, by worrying, can add a single hour to their life? Why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. 
And if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much will he not much more than clothe you, O you of little faith? So don't worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. We all have a choice to make. Let yours be faith over fear. Will you pray with me? Lord God, you, you are an amazing God. You're a great and awesome, powerful God. Lord, even as I pray these words, I think of, of the moments when I've doubted and I'm, I'm filled with shame. You, you, oh God, you have met every need always and you always will. It might not always be how we draw it up, Lord, but you, you are so much, so much more loving, so much more powerful, and, and Lord, than we, we can even imagine. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd speak to each one of this morning. Whatever those fears, whatever those worries, whatever those anxieties are, Lord, speak. And help us, oh God. Give us ears to listen, to hear. Hearts that open up to claim your promises, to claim your joy, to claim your peace, to claim your presence. As we seek to choose faith, over fear, might it be that we would exalt your name and give you honor in the living of our lives by who we choose to be. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.